You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Let's get some business out of the way here at the start. Um, you might have noticed we have not had the mid-roll ads, and that's because in the offseason, we have not had as much luck getting sponsorship. So what's going to happen just for a temporary amount of time is the podcast is going to drop down to three times a week instead of five. So just two less pods. This is going to exist through the end of January. I'm kind of giving myself a little bit of time. It turns out everyone else on the site was dropping down to between one and three. So the fact that I'm just dropping down to three is uh, is most of, more than what most were doing. This just gives me a little bit more time to work on some things. There's not as much to report at this point. We've kind of talked about how free agency is uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. We'll talk about that a bit more today on the show. Uh, so, you know, the thought process is just gives us some time to, without as much to talk about, to kind of cut back a little bit, a little less work um, on my end, and then sponsorships is luckily coming back in February. So then I will have kind of that ability to go to a full five again, and we, we have uh, some positive news coming in that area. So I know for some, it's a little bit disappointing, um, but I, I've been going five days a week with this outside of the Christmas break uh, since I started almost a year ago. So yeah, just look at it as, as uh, you know a, a two-week uh, mini break for me. Uh, you'll still get three days a week. So again, I apologize. Um, I understand if anyone's like, that stinks, that sucks. Uh, totally get it. But again, this will allow me to build up a little bit more to talk about. And I just don't see a lot of huge things. Obviously, that will change if something breaks. And it's a day I wasn't uh, planning to podcast because right now I, I'd probably be looking at something like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like your typical three day schedule uh, for podcasts. You know, if something happens on a Tuesday, I'm going to jump in and, well, that would be the Wednesday show. So that's not a good example. If something happens on a Wednesday, I would jump in, of course, and we would talk about it. Basically, at this point, if the Indians do anything that makes it look like they're alive, um, we would totally have a show because I'm desperate to talk about the Indians doing something. Uh, but let's talk about the bottom of the barrel and free agency. So if you've been following me on Twitter, I've been updating my free agent team. Uh, catcher is still Matt Wieters. I moved Nick Castellanos to first base because he's not really a good defender. Brian Dozier takes over at second because I moved Brock Holt, Holt to third. Andy Hechevarria at shortstop. Your outfield is Cameron Mabin, Marcel Azuna, Yasiel Puig, DH is Hunter Pence. Starting rotation, Tejon Walker, Jules Chassen, Drew Smiley, Jason Vargas, Aaron Sanchez, and my top two relievers, Brandon Kinsler and Pedro Stroop. Um... I still think there's guys here who could help the Indians. Uh, I would not mind, honestly, um, if they took a swing at Tejon Walker from that starting pitching market, uh, or even an Aaron Sanchez, who a few years ago looked really good. The, you know, I kind of, I've talked about on the show, Zach Plesak is likely to regress. Adam Pletko is extremely likely, likely to regress when you look at his stuff, um, performance, everything. I, I just don't have a lot of faith in either of those guys continuing to do kind of what they did. Aaron Saval should be a solid guy in there. Uh, you got Bieber, you got Clev, you have, you know, that, that's the top. And then you don't know about Carrasco. I mean, you just don't. So you don't know about like McKenzie, who's a depth guy, depth guy. You don't know about Logan Allen, who really hasn't stepped up yet. I mean, they have depth, but they don't have a lot of proof. So 
Uh, especially if some of these guys are willing to take an invite to camp because, you know, you're the Indians and you can fix them and you have a great reputation with pitchers. Uh, I think that would be a, a smart move. Uh, Walker is like two years removed from being a good pitcher. Um, and if you can get him to come in and you fix him, you all of a sudden have a very valuable asset who can either A, help your team, or B, some, be someone you could trade because I believe he's got more than one year left in, in arbitration or you sign him to you know, like some kind of contract that's a one-on-one. There, there's ways to work it so you don't fix him and then immediately lose him. And in terms of the bats, let's be honest, Castellanos is likely going to the Rangers. I think Azuna at this point could very well be headed um, to Atlanta. I could also see Puig going to Atlanta. I could see Puig going to St. Louis as they try to get some of that right-handedness back, which is why they went and got Dean. Um, Brock Holt, a little bit harder to figure out where he could land. Um, yeah, I, you know, I just have to kind of look around. It's, But those are kind of the big-name bats in there. Um, Maven could be useful. I mean, Hunter Pence. I am not opposed to Hunter Pence. Let, let's put that way. Like, if you're the Indians and he can do a little bit in the outfield, he can do a little bit DH. Uh, he looked really, really good last year uh, when healthy. And he's not going to cost a ton. So even if it's Hunter Pence on a cheap deal, I'm okay with that. Just do something, please. So um, let's switch gears. Now that we've done that, uh, news of the day. There isn't much. Let's be honest. We are in what I will call the Dra- Travis Snyder period of free agency. Now, if you remember Travis Snyder, um, well, good on you. Uh, he has certainly been around the game. Former really high-end prospect. Uh, was there? I thought he had a point in time where he was with the Indians, but I think Indians fans just were like curious about him. Maybe that was it. You know, he was a really highly rated prospect for Toronto. Uh, came up and actually, you know, performed. Man, never was with the Indians. I was, I'm just wrong in that. That was a bad remembrance. Came up and never really lit the word on fire. Um, you look at extended looks. I mean, Toronto, he could never nail that on the spot. Basically, at his age 26 year uh, with Pittsburgh, he had a pretty good season and that's about it but when you got guys like Travis Snyder whose best case is that he's going to be a you know left-handed hitting platoon outfielder getting added to minor league contracts the Braves after losing their third baseman countered that move today adding uh Jan Gavaris Solarte who I liked for a lot of years but uh that was about two years ago he's not been good the last few uh, minor league deals so it's not like it hurts them at all uh, Brian Moran is an interesting guy who the Marlins let go today. Uh, they went and got Stephen Tarpley, who the Yankees let go. Stephen Tarpley, fun fact, Stephen Tarpley and Ross Kivett are the only players um, since I've started writing about the Indians who they have failed to sign from the top, top 10 rounds. Um, uh, Tarpley was the, uh, I believe, the Lindor draft. Because, that, yes, that's the last one before the slot system went in. So it was a bit of a surprise, but that was back when, yeah, if you swung and you miss, you didn't lose anything other than the pick itself, and he was like a seventh-rounder. Uh, Kivett was a tenth-rounder who was a, a, a surprise situation for the Indians. But those are one of the two players who have not signed since I started covering. Brian Moran, brother of Colin Moran, you know, he got, he's been around the minors forever. But uh, this year he got about 60 innings in the bigs, strikeout rate over 11 walk rate under four his minor league career a strikeout rate of 10.6 a walk rate of 2.8 like he's not been terrible in the minors 
Uh, and what makes him a little more interesting to me, on top of him not being terrible in the minors, is that um, he's left-handed. So you can never have enough lefties, especially lefties who have a history of missing bats. Like, that brings a little bit extra value. Just someone to look at. Like, I was like, that's an interesting lefty out there. I wish we had, you know, more some of the baseball savant data on him that just doesn't exist because he doesn't have enough um, up in the majors in terms of his, uh, you know, what we've seen. But, yeah, just I, I'm slightly intrigued by him just because lefties who miss bats uh, always valuable. So let's go, and I've been promising for a few days, and we finally have a news poor day. Let's talk about the draft. So to recap... Top five starts off with Austin Martin, who uh, the Indians drafted out of high school. Uh, good hit. I don't really think he's a shortstop. He's probably a second baseman. Could be some power. It's The profile is Bregman-esque when Bregman was drafted. Um, let's put it that way. Not what Bregman is now, because no one expected what Bregman is now when he was drafted. No one. I mean, I was very high on him from start to finish, and I would have never put that on him. Uh, Emerson Hancock, who's got some injury concerns, but like in terms of stuff, he has the best pure stuff in this class. Spencer Torkelson, I was writing about him today. I was working on a piece that should go Friday about kind of like the the who are the home run hitters, and it's interesting. The top twenty seven batters in last year's class, the of all the draft eligible players, only one of them was not drafted. Like even some small school guys who were juniors were drafted a year ago um, on day three. If so, power anywhere is valued. Torkelson has a chance to uh, move in the top 10 all-time in home runs. I've talked about that before in the show. But when you look at players in the top 10 all-time in the NCAA in home runs, most of them played for four years. You know, the king is always going to be Pete Incavilia, who hit 48 in a season. Torkelson, so far in his first two years of his career, has hit 48 home runs. So that's uh, just to give you an idea. But right now, Torkelson's uh, games-to-home run rate is higher than anyone in the top 10 outside of um in Cavilia. uh the you know snyder he was in the top 10 and only played for three years and there's one other guy who was in the top 10 who only played for like three years as well i'm kind of blanking on that right now but yeah it's a special special power there nick gonzalez the do-it-all kid from new mexico who the cape kind of let you be like okay he's legit asa lacy another former indians draft pick who lefty missing a ton of bats in the SEC? Reed Detmers talked about him as well. The lefty from Louisville, very McKayish. His own coaches compared them. Uh, doesn't have the best stuff, but just gets the job done consistently. And you know, I, I pointed out that it, look at his indicators. His dad was a pitcher who made it up to AAA with the Cards. He crossed the board. He might be the best pitcher in college baseball statistically a year ago. And age, uh, his performances, otherworldly performance was done as a teenager, and he's one of the youngest juniors in this class. So he is extremely young for the class, has bloodlines, and extremely productive. I, I don't see an issue. I did get to talk about Jordan Walker, so I got through a good chunk of this list, actually. Huge third baseman. Uh, if he wasn't so good, I would be like, he's a two-way guy, but you just want to let the bat play. It's, it's special power. Blaze Jordan, the uh, underclassman who... I mean, he's a YouTube star already for power. And then uh, I talked about the fact that his his stat cast stuff on Boomer and Perfect Game are at the high end 
of anyone's uh, data. So that's that's where I was. So let's jump into number nine. Number nine is another guy that I am higher in the field on, and that's Dylan Cruz. Dylan Cruz is one of those guys who has been around forever, and that means it hurts his value. Um, he's not the most athletic kid. He doesn't run uh, super great. I... At least I, I feel like I say that, and then I look at him, and it's not as bad as as one thinks. But uh, he's not he's not the biggest kid, and that's kind of the other knock. He's he's kind of a visit like like Blaze Jordan. He's a bit physically maxed out, but that also means you got a guy who could move quickly. What Cruz is is just a great hitter. Um, he uses the entire field. He's patient at the plate. He works counts. Uh, his power, uh, you know, you look at his bat speed and exit velocity, they're 98th percentile using perfect game. So it's not just that he's a guy who knows how to hit. He has, he's strong and he's quick and that bat speed and that strength naturally, uh, go to power potential. And, uh, you know, he's played some catcher and I I don't know if, if there's really any possibility of him being a catcher, but I'm also of the school that, try it like when a kid can hit that well he could be a truly truly special bat behind the plate but i just believe in the tool and it's you know so many kids and when we see if there's a reason why a high school hitter fails it's because they don't have a strong approach at the plate they're not able to differentiate uh you know the change up essentially kills them uh in the lower minors and they can never seem to get around on that pitch the off-speed stuff just becomes an achilles heel and Cruz isn't the kid you worry about with that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not. He's he's one of those guys I've been hearing about. Like it feels like since he was in eighth grade. I'm not gonna, you know, it's, it, Bryce Trang had a down year this year, but he's one of those guys. And maybe the you know Blake Rutherford was one of those guys too who hasn't quite worked out as many of us thought it would. So maybe there's more to it. Maybe I need to reevaluate. But sometimes the just uh, you know Daz Cameron was another one, and it has kind of turned on him where all of a sudden he's back to being a high-end prospect so uh, it's almost that we get two locked into guys 10 garrett mitchell i felt kind of bad about this one um the more i did it the more i'm like "Ah, he needs to get pushed up and he was not particularly good at ucla as a freshman but he had a really strong sophomore year um the power hasn't quite emerged in games yet but he's just extremely athletic he did not strike out much he can play center field. There is power. It's just not in games yet. And it's sad, but the main concern I'm still hearing with Mitchell isn't, you know, that we haven't seen in-game power, which is my concern. It's not that, um, you know, he's really aggressive at the plate, so the walk rate is not particularly great, which is another it, It's the diabetes, which for me, I understand to a degree, but I also feel like it's a treatable situation. I've got a cat with diabetes now it's different than a human because a human can actually take care of themselves um garrett mitchell can take care of himself it's not something that's going to hold him back so i think it's silly uh 11 jt again still a lot of people um i was talking with my buddy taylor blake ward the other day and he's like i I still see him just as a reliever and i was totally in that camp but i can't look past what he did as a freshman in the sec i just i can't um freshman guys coming in to the sec and doing that uh dominating the way he did uh, 11.5 percent or not percent 11.5 strikeout walk per nine of two 
He struck out 31% of the batters he faced and walked just 5% of them. The big knock on him was control, and then he had no problems, you know, ripping open the best conference in the league. I mean, he, was one of, he wasn't the best pitcher on his own team because Ethan Small worked his way into becoming a first-round pick, but he was excellent, and, you know, he is still undersized, and there's still, you know, he kind of has to show stuff, and that is the danger with these draft-eligible sophomores. Cole Wilcox is another one of those guys. Um he just and it's kind of crazy that JT Kinn goes to Mississippi State and that's an awesome baseball program um you know I, the the amount of information you can get from them is, is fantastic the way they develop kids is fantastic it's a team that's loaded with talent every year and JT Kinn they were like okay yeah you're our best guy we're going to put you on the mound Georgia a program that has really kind of struggled in development and has been an also ran of the SEC for baseball if we're being perfectly honest in terms of development um somehow they get Cole Wilcox one of the top freshmen in the country it's like Wilcox uh Kumar Rocker and JT Ginn were probably the top three arms that made it to college Rocker and Ginn managed to nail down consistent starting gigs on two of the best teams in the country. Rocker at Vandy, who won the national championship, and Ginn at Mississippi State, one of the top teams in the SEC, both those SEC teams. Cole Wilcox, who uh, was the highest rated of the three on my final draft board, can't even get a regular time as a starter. So, And that hurt Wilcox. That's why he's not ranked higher on my board now. It's I, I, I don't know what to make. I didn't get to see enough of it, and what I saw... Um, the command issues were more profound. So we'll we'll have to see. He's a name that's off. But Ginn, if he wasn't undersized, um, I think there'd be a lot more people jumping on this bandwagon. We'll have to see what happens. When you have one year of data, it just makes this year all the more important. And that's the other thing. This class is just the draft-eligible sophomores. I cannot recall a more talented group of draft-eligible sophomores than this class has. JT Ginn, Cole Wilcox. I was writing about Aaron Sabato, who... Uh, set the uh, UNC freshman home run record last year while also batting 340. Uh, it's just loaded. The draft eligible, Austin Wells, the catcher at Arizona, there's so many draft eligible uh, sophomores that are legitimate first round uh, potential picks. And then the last guy, I had to put Heston, I'm going to butcher this, Keston Jerstad. Um, his brother was a you know outfielder that ended up getting drafted. Arkansas has turned into a fantastic developmental pipeline. Um, they, uh, the only player, I, I did enjoy my line from this, the only player that you can overlook him for at Arkansas is Zebulon Vermillion, and um, who, I just love that name. So, I mean, I, I'm all in on Zebulon Vermillion, his college teammate. But this team at, at Arkansas, you know, Casey, well, the Y got cut off on that. Uh, so it said Case Martin, which it's a Casey Martin. Casey Martin, the shortstop, uh, the walk to strike out is incredibly imbalanced, but he's got loud tools and maybe the best speed to power guy in the class. Casey Opitz was a really well-reviewed guy as a catcher out of high school, has a chance to to move up in a class that uh, catching is a little bit weaker in this year, it feels like. Jerstad has his... um, There's some, you know, there are definitely some negatives. He strikes out a lot, but what stands out for me is... He came in and day one started in the SEC, hit 330 with 14 home runs as a freshman, tons of doubles. He's a switch hitter. He's played center for them. Oh, man, there's a lot of issues in here. Diamondbacks when it should be Razorbacks. This is where my editor annoys me. Um, ugh. I'm going to pause this. I need to fix this. This is ugly. Okay, things are fixed. Uh, 
you know, it could be a brain fart. It could be the fact to talk about that Dominic Fletcher was a second round pick a year ago to the Diamondbacks. And then all of a sudden that caused my mind to shift. Either way, I, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So I had to go fix that. But now it is updated with the correct team that he is a Razorback. But big kid, power, switch hitter, um, high level production in the SEC. Hence why he is there. We're going to save the information about the uh, the reclassified player who fits the Indians' profile to a T for tomorrow. I'm still going to do the full five this week. I will wait to switch over next week. But I want to thank everyone for listening. We got through the big board. We got through the news. Um, tomorrow we will talk about this, uh, this player that reclassified who you couldn't r- draw up a player that is more uh, the Indians' profile than, uh, than this guy. So that'll be... A big part, we'll talk about any other moves, uh, things that are going on. And then if nothing else occurs, if the news is kind of down like today and all we have is this reclassification to talk about, then we'll spend some time tomorrow looking at what the Indians 26-man roster will be like um, based on what we have now, who we know has to be on it, who is likely to be on it, um, how the big question is, will they use that extra spot to carry an extra bat or one more pitcher when especially you cannot have... Um, you know, the, you can't have that traditional loogie anymore. You can't quite do the things that it, it's almost encouraging you to carry an extra bat, not an extra arm. But uh, part of me still feels like the Indians are going to end up carrying an extra arm. We'll talk about that all tomorrow and more on Locked On Indians right here. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, go Tribe.